Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. And that's the hard part. That's the moving target. We call that the secret sauce. If you know who reports and who will approve you, then you can very simply just follow a step-by-step process and build it up. And I lay that out in my book, and certainly we lay it out in our program. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Steve Weibel. How you doing, Steve? I'm great. How are you, Joe? I'm great and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Steve. He's a former Marine. Thank you for everything you did for our country, first and foremost. He has sold, invested, and managed real estate. He has owned 300-plus rental units. He is a business credit expert. In fact, he wrote a book called The Business Credit, The Complete Step-by-Step Guide, and he specializes in helping obtain and manage credit for your business based in Tampa, Florida. So with that being said, Steve, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. So right now I'm working for a company called Credit Suite. I'm the head of their business development. And the reason I was attracted to this company is I was around for the OA crash, as I'm sure most of your listeners were. And when it all went down, I was able to walk away with almost perfect credit. Huh. Now, the question is how to do that, right? What did you have going into it in terms of portfolio? I had at one point 300 single family units and I also had a 35 unit apartment complex and a 187 unit apartment complex. So in 2007, what did you have? 2007, I had 234 left. Cool. All right. Good stuff. Okay. So when it all crashed, obviously anything that I signed for personally, you know, single family homes and whatnot, that has some effect. However, None of my business debt affected me at all. And I'm talking high limit credit with Home Depot, with Lowe's, Visa's, MasterCards, five different vehicles in the company name. None of it was against my credit. Just so I'm clear, so you lost those properties, they were given back to the bank and it didn't affect your business credit. Did I, am I hearing that correctly? It didn't, didn't affect my personal credit. 
didn't affect your personal credit, but you were foreclosed on with those properties? Kind of. I actually made a deal because I felt bad for the tenants. I saw what was going on. I didn't do what a lot of people did, which was just collect the rent and not pay the mortgage. What happened is the Section 8, which was the majority of my tenants, they have what's called fair market rent, FMR. Yep. And as the market crashed, so did my rent. So I went from collecting anywhere between 800 and 1,000 per unit down to as low as 250 and 300 per unit. Okay. So I went from making X amount of dollars per month to losing close to 100,000 a month. Okay. So I went to the banks and said, look, what I don't want to do is just collect the rent, not pay you, take you a year to foreclose. These are families. I don't want a sheriff showing up at their door. I'll make a deal with you. It was 10 different banks. I'll deed them back to you in lieu of foreclosure if you honor the leases for the next two years. Mm-hmm. And you can collect the rent, I'll sign the rents. And it worked. So I was one of the few I knew that did that. A lot of my friends walked away with a lot of cash. I, I walked away with my hat in my hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but all the business debt I had created, in other words, the operational debt, everything from the computers for the entire office, like I said, all the vehicles, all my credit with Home Depot and Lowe's, the visas, MasterCards, American Express, all of it. None of it was tied to me personally. So I literally walked away clean. So you said your personal credit didn't get affected, but then you also said the, your lines of credit with your businesses were not affected either. No, no, no. Help I, me understand this. That's Sorry. what I figured. Okay. So accidentally, I figured out how to build my business credit profile. It took me a long time. Okay. And I started getting approved for credit in the company name, in other words, tied to my EIN, not yep. to my social. Got it. So when I shut the company down, because obviously the company was bankrupt, there was no more assets, and I didn't file bankruptcy. That debt was just wiped out. Yep. Was not tied to me. Nobody came after me personally. So I was also one of the top five REMAX agents in the state. So I, when I moved to Florida, because everybody knew me, and at this point, nobody wanted to let me sell their house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I moved to Florida, got my real estate license, doing really well. And then I found this company, Credit Suite, who was teaching what I had learned through years of business. Mm-hmm. They were teaching people to do it in five to six months. Mm-hmm. And I said, I have to come work for you. And naturally, I called them, asked for a job. First job ever, 53 years old. I'd never applied for a job other than the Marines. Mm-hmm. And they turned me down. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyhow, they eventually called me back and I ended up working for them. And I didn't even know how little I knew until I got here. In other words, I was good at it, but had no idea. So anyways, that's what attracted me to this company. What were you doing without prior knowledge of what you now know with Credit Suite, what were you doing that was effective for building the credit in your LLC name? That's a brilliant question. So what I did is I took a shot in the dark. You can imagine how much I was spending with Home Depot, right? I took a shot in the dark. So I like a Home Depot credit card, but I don't want to sign for it. I'm spending X amount, 50 to 100,000 every month with you. And I got approved. Well, once I had that approval, I didn't realize it, it was reporting on my business credit profile. Then it was easy to get lows. Then it was all of a sudden Ford was approving me. I was getting visas, MasterCards, America's. Like all of a sudden, I was just my profile was building organically. Did you say Ford, the car company? Yes. Okay. There's actually a couple Ford and Ally. Both will give you credit in the company name, not tied to you personally. Okay. So I looked at that as this is beautiful. So when I got to Florida, it's the first thing I started to do is build my business. I started a business, started to build my business credit again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, it's not really about if things go bad, obviously you want to protect yourself, but it's more about protecting your personal credit for when those opportunities show up. Mm-hmm. So as we all know, personal credit's based on a series of things. One, how you pay your bills. Two, how much debt you have. Three, and most importantly in my mind, your utilization. Well, business credit doesn't operate that way. So you can run up your credit cards and your debt max. It doesn't affect your 
business credit score, and it absolutely doesn't touch your personal credit score because you didn't apply, you didn't sign. Mm-hmm. So I was able to keep my credit score in the 700s while still generating debt. Mm-hmm. So then if a great deal came up, let's say I found an apartment complex today that just fit my needs, my credit score hasn't been touched. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem buying it. Got it. So that's what you were doing before, and then you jumped on board with Credit Suite. And now what are some enhancements to that process? Well, I only knew about the things that I knew about. I didn't realize there were hundreds of people who would give me credit in the business name. And there is a step-by-step process. When you first start your company, and I'm talking like today, if you register your company today, within 30 days, I'll have you some sort of business credit. I didn't know there were starter vendors out there. I didn't know about Sprint. Didn't know they offered business credit. I didn't know about Apple, Dell. I didn't know about all these people. There's so many people who will give you business credit, but it has to be done in a very specific order. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's starter vendors. You need X amount of trade lines reporting, and then you go on and on from there. But more importantly, you can't get approved for even your first one unless your business is set up credibly. Now, that immediately brings questions to people's mind. What do you mean credibly? I'm not credible. No, but the biggest offense that banks have and lenders have and creditors have is to protect against fraud, right? They want to protect against fraud. So they have certain steps that they follow, and it's all done through artificial intelligence, to make sure that your company is legit and it's not a fraudulent application. Matter of fact, if you don't mind, I'll give you a couple of those things because I'll bet you 90% of your audience is going to fail these two or three things I mentioned. All right, what do you got? All right, first thing is, if you're old enough to remember back in the day, I used to pick up the phone and dial 411 and get Joe's Pizza up the street. Mm-hmm. that database still exists today. And it's actually the first database that the banks check, the National 401 Business Database. Unfortunately, if I ask most business owners for their phone number, they're going to give me their cell phone. Well, that you can't list with the National 401 Database. It has to be a legitimate phone number. Now, I know not everybody has a phone on their desk or a phone on their wall, but you can get what's called a virtual phone number. And most of your audience, I'm sure, is going to be familiar with Google Google has their Google phone number. Mm -hmm. That's the right path, but you're on the wrong alley. They own that number where if you buy it or rent it from a company like Ring Central, that's your number because you're paying for it. And that's listable with the National 401 database. That's the first thing. I see that all the time. I actually had a guy get approved for half a million dollar line of credit when he was denied not three months earlier. And the only problem was his phone number. Hmm. Second thing I see is the address. And it's not that using your home is a problem because it's not. You can use your home, you can use an actual business address, or you can use what's called a virtual address. And there is a big difference between a virtual address and a PO box. And that is the number one reason people fail. They'll put down a PO box. Okay. So a virtual address is actually a very specific industry. And they want a lawsuit in the seventies to be recognized as an actual office. So you can go to places like Regis. I think every city in this country has a Regis, R-E-G-U-S. Mm-hmm. You can run a virtual office from them. Yep. What you can't do is like, your buddy owns a grocery store and you have a back room office in his store. That doesn't work. So that's the second thing. The third thing, and this blows my mind, is the website and email address. I see people that have great websites and then their email will be, I'm in business at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> or even worse, I like to golf at gmail.com. Right. That's unbelievable. Need loan ASAP at gmail.com. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> what we recommend, and look, Gmail has the G Suite, which is great. So you can personalize it like ours, info at creditsuite.com or purchasing at creditsuite.com or accounting at creditsuite.com. Whatever it is, it needs to be a legitimate business email address. Mm-hmm. Now, those three items, 97% of business owners I talk to fail one of them. 
And if you only get one wrong, you're denied. Only one. Now, there's a series of 10. One of the things lenders look for is they look for congruency. In other words, across the entire internet, they want to see that your business address matches everywhere. Your phone number matches everywhere. That you have a fax machine, believe it or not, in today's day and age. They're looking for that. An 800 number is at a value. You have to have a fax machine? I know. It's hard to believe nobody uses them except digitally. But guess who does use them? Banks. Banks and lenders use fax machines. And I put it this way. If Walmart wanted to buy your product and they sent in a credit app, and on the credit app it had the purchasing agent's cell phone, no fax number, and it had purchasing for Walmart at gmail.com, would you think that was a (laughs) Well, no. the email I wouldn't think was legit, but no fax number. I'd be like, all right, well, welcome to 2020, right? I agree with you because I don't have a fax, but you can get a virtual fax. When you get a virtual phone number, you can add on the fax for free. And okay. I'm sure you've heard them where you call up. If this is a fax, press one or two. It's the same thing. Okay, got so it. So there are the minor things, and there's other items that go along with it as far as making sure everything matches, like I said, that you have a real business bank account. I'm amazed at how many people don't have business bank accounts. They run everything through their personal So all these little items add up to a big mess if you don't have them in order. And we have tons of videos out there. If you go to YouTube and check out our videos, we literally teach everybody the first steps because we want people to succeed. And then once you have that set up properly, then getting credit is easy. You just need to know who to go to because the big issue is not everybody reports that gives you credit. For example, I had a printing company. We did about $25 million. So you can imagine, because the margins aren't big in print manufacturing, how much paper I must have been buying, right? How much ink I was buying, how many plates and film and blah, 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 blah. Well, almost none of them reported. So I wasn't doing anything from my business credit profile. I had tons of credit, but nothing was reporting on the business. So you need to know who to go to. And that's the hard part. That's the moving target. We call that the secret sauce. If you know who reports and who will approve you, then you can very simply just follow a step-by-step process and build it up. And I lay that out in my book, and certainly we lay it out in our program. You mentioned a half-million-dollar line of credit earlier. Can a real estate investor get a line of credit from somewhere through this process that allows them to go buy a property for cash? Yes and no. It's going to depend on their business. We look for the three Cs, cash, credit, collateral. So obviously collateral, hard money, they could easily do it. Matter of fact, I had a line of credit of $2 million with a hard money company. Oh, what rate? Back then. Uh, when was What year was this? Is the 90s through mid-2000. Okay. So it was as high as 18%, as low as yeah. I think 10. Okay. Uh, and I made money. Can you imagine? Yeah, right. <laughs> what about now? <laughs> I've seen them low, and I'm, I'm not a finance officer. We have them, and we definitely yeah. do hard money here. But I've seen them as low as you know, 6 8%. Okay. That's just not my department. Yeah, right. Right. So if I, I hate to say 7% and have a thousand of your listeners call up and be like, he lied. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously when rates just dropped tremendously yesterday, a couple of days ago. So it's a moving target. Mm-hmm. So from a business standpoint for a real estate investor, you've got a hard money department, but in terms of building your business line of credit, it can be beneficial for especially people who are managing their own properties because that's where you're going to be having a large outlay of cash, like fix and flippers, and then you'll be able to use credit with Home Depot or wherever else. Exactly. Won't be out of pocket. Exactly. And here's what's great about it. And I know things have changed a little bit with the hard money world, but back when I started, they would fund the purchase and they would escrow the construction. I'm assuming that still happens today. But 
what I would do is I would get them to fund the purchase. They'd escrow the repairs. I would do all the repairs via my Visa's MasterCard's American Express and my Home Depot and or Lowe's credit card, depending on what I was buying. Then they would release the escrow. I would keep that cash and pay off the credit cards once the house sold. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I was taking my profit out early. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was able to leverage instead of buying one or two or three. I was buying blocks of 10. Got it. So does that make sense? It does make sense. Yes. Yeah. So my brother was amazed. We were partners. He said, how do you have X amount of hundreds of thousands in the bank already? I'm like, I'm letting Home Depot finance this. Mm-hmm. Why not? And then with this approach, what if someone has a business and the credit is shot right now? What do they do? The business credit? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of options. Timing grade is important. So in other words, after you hit that two-year mark, you start noticing that the limits go higher and higher and higher. So I never tell anybody to shut down a business if it's not necessary. If their business credit is shot like unrepairable, then that's probably your best option. Start a new company, different address, phone number. I'll give you an example. Dun & Bradstreet, their reporting system, they give you a score. You've heard it, paid X score? Yep. Okay, so 80 is perfect. I've seen people get approved with 78, 77. That means you've paid late a bunch of times. But as you add lines, what happens is that has less and less impact. Because business credit is strictly based on how you pay your bills. Mm -hmm. So if you're late, let's say five or six times, five or six different vendors, but now you've added 20 to 25 vendors, you'll be a 79 and you'll be approved. Now, the second part of that is if it's not truly your debt, easily disputed, easily disputed. And I've seen that. And the third is typically after three years, it all disappears anyway. What do you mean it all disappears? If it's not active, it just disappears. Okay. It just disappears off your report. If your account is not active? Correct. Let's say you're negative, you didn't pay your bill, or you settled it, but you were 180 days late. Mm-hmm. A couple of years from now, it's going to be gone. It's not like personal where it stays on there for seven years, 10 years. With a business credit, it's gone fairly quickly. Got it. But again, if you have a negative, I'm not talking about a bankruptcy or a UCC judgment. That's different. But when we're talking about vendor credit or regular credit cards or even a vehicle or things like that, you can add enough trade lines to certainly outweigh the negatives, mm-hmm. unless you just have so many negatives that I would look at your report and say, you know what, better off start a new company. When you work with someone who's looking to do this process, what are some things that surprise them? That's a great question. The first answer that jumped to my mind is how fast it goes. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. I can show you a business credit report. And by the way, if you have nothing reporting, and this is important for your listeners to know, if you have nothing reporting, you will get a failing grade, automatically a failing grade. But even adding one trade line will bump your score all the way up. So I show an example during my webinars of someone who had a failing grade. It says high risk because there's nothing reporting. They added one trade line under $100. Their score jumped all the way up, and they were recommended for $2,500 in credit. Hmm. Add three trade lines, and suddenly it goes to $5,000. Ten trade lines, $25,000, $30,000, $100,000. It's scalable. So that's usually what surprises people is how quickly. Unfortunately, the beginning, when you first start, feels like it takes forever. It takes about 60 days because you've got to make sure you're set up properly, find the starter vendors, apply, get approved, buy something from them, then pay the bill, and then they report. So you can imagine that takes 60 days. Yep. So once they get through that, though, it's like a waterfall. It just keeps coming. And then what's really cool about it, and this surprises a lot of people, is once you have enough trade lines reporting, the same thing that happens to you as a consumer begins happening to you as a business owner. As a consumer, if you have 680, 700 credit score or higher, you're getting offers in the mail all the time. 
credit card offers, personal loan offers. You're always getting offers in the mail. Well, they don't just magically appear. Those lists are being sold. Not your personal information, but hey, I want to buy a list of people between 700 and 800 credit score in this zip code. Mm-hmm. And then they mail you, right? Same thing happens in a business. So suddenly, instead of you chasing the money, the money's chasing you. Based on your experience as not only a real estate investor, but clearly in the credit building business for businesses, what is your best real estate or business advice ever as it relates to your area of expertise? My absolute best would be, and I don't care if you've been in business 20 years or you just started today, make sure you set up properly because that's going to hold you back. One negative, one thing that's set up wrong will stop you from ever moving forward. and You'll be frustrated all the time. Can you fix it retroactively? Sure. Okay. I talked about it. Phone number. If you're using right, your right. cell phone and it's everywhere, get a virtual phone number. Go back, fix your website. Wherever your phone number is listed, change it. Go to the IRS. Go to the Secretary of State. Wherever that phone number is listed because they can find that information in a matter of seconds. Not seconds, tenth of a second. It's all artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And the second piece of advice I would give is don't fall for the shelf corporation scam. And what is that real quick? People buy aged corporations. Like I started an LLC, which I still have one's 20 years old. Right. You know, I could sell that, but it's not like it was in the 70s and 80s where the banks looked at your date of incorporation. Now they have access to everything through LexisNexis. So they look at the date of your corporation starting as the day you opened your bank account. Mm-hmm. So you have a 20-year-old corporation with a bank account that's one week old. Guess how old you are? One week. You got it. But if you put down 20 on the application, they're going to mark your file as fraud. And they'll report it to Dun & Bradstreet as fraud. That's a problem. Once you're marked on Dun & Bradstreet, there is no removal. Once it says fraud, you're done. That's it. Shut down the company. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. All right. What's the best ever book you've read as it relates to your business or something relevant to real estate? Ooh, Gary Keller, the million dollar real estate investor. Ah, yes. Okay. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? The best ever way to give back to the community? Well, back when I was flipping houses, I was giving away homes. Like for homeless people, I would give away a home. I'd fix up a property and give it to a homeless person. Obviously through a charity, through a fund. Sure. Yep. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Oh, that's simple. Simply go to creditsuite.com. That's credit, S-U-I-T-E.com. If they want to reach out to me, they can certainly reach out via info at creditsuite.com. Steve, thanks for being on show, giving us some specific tips for setting up our business credibility, virtual phone address, website with email address and concurrency across all the internet with that stuff as well as other things and giving us some examples of what we can do with it as well. So thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. All right.